Hello, and welcome to the Science Behind Science podcast. My name is Anne Tushar. And I'm Dennis Grenzowitz. Here, we'll take you backstage of research to introduce you to the people behind science and how scientific discoveries really happen. So today's episode is a little bit different than what we've done in the past. So far, we've been interviewing professionals, people we know, people we think that can speak to topics really well in regards to science. But we realized that we wanted to interview each other just so that everyone could kind of get to know us. So today, I actually interview Anne, who is a research technician in Dr. Karis Eng's lab at Cleveland Clinic, which is where we met. And today's conversation is really just about getting to know Anne, her background in research, what she likes to do, what she's done so far, and kind of her motivations. Soon enough, Anne will be interviewing me too. And with those two episodes together, we hope that we can personalize ourselves a little bit too. In the future, we plan on actually making episodes where we just talk about a couple topics that might be a little bit more timely. And we think that this might be helpful and kind of fun. And we both enjoy debating some pretty tough topics in science too. So I hope that you enjoy today's conversation with Anne Tushar. So Anne, welcome to your podcast. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is going to be a little bit different of a style of an interview. Uh, As everyone might be aware so far, we have been interviewing a third guest, and we thought that overall it would make a lot more sense for us to actually interview each other just to get kind of a background on who we are as people first, to kind of just build us up a little bit so you know who you're listening to and kind of like what our goals are. And I think it might shed a little bit of light on like what the goals of the podcast are too, because we haven't really talked too much about that directly yet. Mm -hmm. So today I am going to be interviewing Anne Tushar about her (laughs) research experiences so far. And then in the future, Anne will be interviewing me and we'll just kind of talk about what we've done so far because we think it's really important that you know why we love science too. Yes. Yeah. Just going to ask you today, Anne, everything you've done so far, what you're doing now and what you want to do in like the near future maybe. So what drew you into science in the first place? Okay. So I'm going to take you back to my high school self. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel like that's probably a good place to start. Definitely. I think there's a, a couple different aspects or different ways, I guess, that I could answer this question because it's like kind of a three-part answer. There are some people in my life who are very influential in me choosing science. And then there's also just my values as well as uh, what my personal strengths are. So I guess I'll start with the people in my life. My mom, I guess, is the very first one. She's not necessarily a scientist she's a nurse okay so she works in medicine sure but i always valued and appreciated what she did she worked with people hands-on to you know help meet their needs physically and help them get better and i just always admired her for that i admire all nurses but i wanted a job that was like that where i could do something in medicine okay unfortunately medicine uh, as in working with patients was not for me because The minute anybody got sick in my life, I just freaked out and (laughs) couldn't be nearby. Or if I was in a hospital, I just wanted to leave immediately. Oh, man. So I quickly threw away the thought of medical school and nursing. But I still valued what she did and wanted to do something similar. And then I also would say that my chemistry teacher in high school was the other person who had a strong influence on part of this is because I think she's a lot like me in the sense that I'm very detail oriented and I'm very thorough. And she was very exact, very meticulous, and she was all about scientific rigor. And she also really knew what she was doing. Yeah, I would say it's those two people. Um, and then chemistry class, I could just talk about that too. I sure. love chemistry class. I, I generally liked school, 
But I would say chemistry was one of those classes where it challenged me in a way that I liked. It integrated math. I love math. And then also, too, just the concepts were fascinating. And I think the way she taught it, she had very high expectations of us. And that is something that I loved in school, was that they were willing to challenge us all the time. And she really did. So I enjoyed that a lot. And what I learned from her was I could help people through medicine by working behind the scenes in science in a laboratory. And that was the greatest thing ever because it's like, oh, I get to indirectly help patients by being at the bench. And that's cool. So that was really, I think, the initial impetus to move in that direction. That's really cool that you learned that so young. Yeah. I thought this is the way to go. And I will say, like, originally I was drawn to pharma because I wanted to go into, like, drug development. I was really fascinated by that. Um, That was kind of my initial interest. You're not locked off from that now, though. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's whether or not Um, you want to stay at the bench. Yeah, it's also a matter of chemistry. I did like I'll talk about it later, but I did a synthesis lab and I realized it's not that easy. Yeah, (laughs) Um, absolutely not. But uh, yeah, I'd say that's the initial interest. And then there's something else I could say about what drew me to it initially. I guess I already talked about my strengths that I'm detail-oriented and thorough. I was always pretty good at math and science, and I'm also pretty good at making connections between things. So that was something that I felt was also important in science because there's so much information. If you can string a connection somewhere, that could be critical. So, I'm glad that you had so many like early experiences. Was there a reason why you leaned chem instead of the other ones? Because, like for instance, in high school, I really liked bio over chem. I had a really good chem and a really good bio teacher, but I leaned into bio. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it was the math integration that leaned you into chem? Math was certainly part of it. I will say I'm glad you also included physics in this list. <laughs> yeah. So... For the record, I hate physics with a passion. (laughs) So, I mean, God bless the physicists, but I would never choose that path of life. I think for me, it was just really hard to conceptualize physics. Okay. I just really struggled with that. There was plenty of math there, but I would hate to do that math because it's just, it's hard. Biology wasn't challenging enough for me in high school. Okay. I could see how that's the case because I feel like in high school bio, it's just a lot of memorization. It is. And you don't don't have enough of a foundation to really understand the nuances of things yet. Mm -hmm. No. I appreciate the problem-solving aspect of chem, I think. That's Uh, fair. And biology didn't have as much of that unless you did, like, I don't know, the DNA codes. Yeah. Cable, right? I remember that. I remember that. (laughs) It's about as far as problem-solving got for bio. Sure. That's funny. Thank you for sharing all that. We've never really had this conversation, so I'm glad that we're finally having it now. Yeah. So you obviously had a kick butt experience in high school and you had all the foundational skills built to go to college and try to pursue a degree in some kind of hard science, right? Mm -hmm. So how did you end up where you ended up for college? And then was it a direct path to your major? Could you just give me some background on that really fast? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I decided on college at the very last minute. I'd been to a bunch of schools. What? I did. <laughs> okay. I you know how they have decision day? Yeah, I yeah, decided yeah. decision yes. day. Did you do, do like regular decision decision day? Regular like, decision. I you, think. you like you didn't like apply early anywhere or anything like that? I mean, well, I did. I applied to a bunch of places, but I just hadn't officially decided oh, until decision day okay. and then okay. told them I was <laughs> So, well, <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> it was decision day when I told them I was going to come, but I just been to a bunch of other schools before, and they every time I went to another school, I just felt like it wasn't right. I don't know how to put my no, finger you, on your that. Fit, your fit wasn't good. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, it just wasn't right. I ended up at Cleveland State. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason for that was because they had a pharmaceutical science major, which was very specialized, and I liked that because that was, like I talked about, I was interested in pharma. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I looked at the degree map, and I was like, those are really neat classes. I want to take those. 
I was also invited to be in their honors program, which was a great opportunity if you're in the Cleveland area, definitely apply to that. So I had all those things uh, set up for me, and that's why I chose that. And it was a great choice in the end because if I live in the area, I could save a lot of money yeah, <laughs> just sure. going to school there too. So. Sure. It seems like location drove a little bit of the decision. Yes. Um, were you looking at schools that were further away than Cleveland, or were you just trying to stay around here? I looked at, I think the furthest school I looked at was in Virginia. Oh, okay. So, cool. Yeah, I mean, so you weren't just like Cleveland area, but you're still like not ridiculous. I was the same way, not like ridiculously far. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. So you went to college. You had to take all of the random classes you have to take at the beginning of college. When did you hone in officially on the major? Like you went there knowing you want to do pharma sciences from the get-go? Was that ever in question? I mean, that was definitely what I was leaning towards from the very start. I would say, I mean, I didn't take classes that were specific for that until much later. I was doing a lot of general courses. I will say, I should probably say this. My first semester of college was really rough. <laughs> I I went and took my Gen Chem class and I got a C on my first exam. And I had not experienced that in a very long time. <laughs> it's not like, you know, to to my own horn, it was just a matter of I was used to doing well that's doing fine. fine yeah and there are a lot of moments where i was second guessing myself like is this really the path i should have been taking did i just think i was good at chem and i'm actually terrible <laughs> that's funny. and then i mean my labs as well were just so stressful for me i remember being in there and being like okay i'm not really getting as much out of it as i thought i would i'm not enjoying this at all i'm like super stressed i would be the last one out And my TA was the sweetest person to let me stay and finish. But I was like, I can't even finish on time. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It was was a difficult first semester. And I would actually say what kind of kept me there and kept me going was that I actually had an interview with a senior at the school. And I Uh talked with her about her experience, and she encouraged me a lot. So that's actually maybe a recommendation to you young folks as well if you're just starting college. But Make those older connections. Yeah, I would definitely do that. But yeah, the first few semesters were just gen ed courses. And then I got more specialized as we went on. Like I took mm-hmm. pharmacology, which was really cool. Um, I took medicinal chemistry. I loved that. Dang. I loved OCHEM. <laughs> uh, early, all the chemistry courses were cool. And I would say I enjoyed biology more, actually, in college than I did in high school. It seems like a lot of people have that academic coming of age story where they just get slapped in the face by some class early on in college like I also got slapped in the face by Gen Chem in college yes and it was like could you hack it you know Mm -hmm. so you mentioned that you had the conversation with the senior that Mm -hmm. allowed you to maintain your commitment from day to day what kept you going in terms of motivation like how didn't you just flop or say like you know I'm just going to switch to something else like this is too much I can't do it well, one nice thing was chemistry was the only thing I was flopping in. There were other classes I was taking that I was doing well in, and I was figuring them out. And so that was really encouraging to me because I had taken bio, and that was regarded by a lot of people as a tough class, but I'd found a way to hack it. And then I would say there were some other courses, too, that I was figuring them out, and I was like, you know what? I can figure this other class out. And I was just kind of determined that I would. Okay. And I was reminded, too, that when I transferred schools in middle school, I don't know. I went from some one school to another school. Mm-hmm. I had a similar experience where I flopped in the very beginning. Okay. And then I came out really strong in yeah. the end. And I was like, you know, it's a similar scenario. I'm just adjusting. Sure. So I think that that kind of motivated me to continue in that first semester. Um, and what kept me going after that was I just loved the subject matter. <laughs> so. Nice. Because my next question was going to be, 
if you were doing really well in all these other courses except for chem, did it ever cross your mind that it's like, oh, wait, I'm actually just bad at chem, but good at bio and my other gen eds? Oh, yeah. I mean, that did at first. I was thinking to myself, man, man, you picked one doozy of a major. <laughs> you had to pick this. But again, the reason I loved chem in the first place was the challenge. Sure. And so I was just willing to take it up. That's really cool. For your upper level chemistry classes, did they come with labs too? Like, because you probably had to do P-chem, Q-chem or some mixture of those and medicinal chem and stuff like that. Like, which of those had labs? Did you enjoy the lab experience? Did you make any goofy chemicals that you got in trouble for? Yes, let's see. So I would say that for Gen Chem and O Chem, we had something, it's similar to Super Lab. It was called the Real Lab. Ooh. And so research experiences to enhance learning. Or something okay. like that. I might be wrong. But it was essentially like what Superlab was, where you have a research question, a much a very basic one at that, and you just had to answer it in the course of a semester. And I would say that was a pretty good first bout with research for me. We had a couple graduate students who would help us figure out what we needed to do. They would train us on certain instruments and things like that. For us, we were just looking at contaminants and different things. So I mm-hmm. looked at lead and red hair dye. Oh. Um, okay. I was trying to quantify that. Oh. I didn't find anything. I don't think. And well, then, that's probably pretty good. Yeah, no, it was good. And then the other one was looking for PAHs and black imported tea. Oh. So Ooh. we were looking at What were your results those. there? We found some in one, but it wasn't at a level that should be concerning to you. So we did that. I would say that was pretty good. Kind of coming back to the super lab situation, if you do need a lot of help. Yeah. And you need like constant access to somebody. And yeah. I feel like we could have used a lot more grad students <laughs> just because there's a bunch of undergrads who don't know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess that made it also a bit more stressful. Kind of kicked you out of the nest, though. It did early. That was my yeah. freshman year, actually. Oh, my. Yeah. Wow. So this okay. was freshman and sophomore year. Wow. Um, they coupled that with OCHEM and GenCon. So. Man, that's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a fresh start. It was very intimidating when I first started. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Um, but interesting because we'd have pairs and everybody would choose something different. One person's like mm. lipstick. Another yeah. person was like studying like how stuff from their pop cans were leaching into the pop if they let it in their car and stuff like that. So very interesting. Okay. But those are a couple interesting labs. And then I would say the other interesting one was synthesis lab. Because we were trying to synthesize a drug that one of the professors at Cleveland State made. Huh? Okay. And so he was trying to take us through that process. It didn't go very well. In the end, it just flopped entirely. <laughs> and I was just kind of left like, oh, this kind of is hard. And I don't know if I want to keep doing this. It also took us the entire semester just to do that. I just worry because I obviously like I had to take a synthesis class too yeah all the expensive glassware oh my gosh like and all these like weirdly shaped bottles and stuff I don't know I still love to see chemists working with that stuff because it's so cool yes it's a certain type of funky scientist that we all love that it just it wasn't me and that's Mm -hmm. totally fine yeah but no that's cool so your real lab was kind of your first experience with independent research. Mm-hmm. Could you walk me through any summer experiences you had or like individual experiences you had with PIs through college that pushed you more toward wanting to do research? Mm-hmm. Sure. I would say, interestingly enough, where I got the most research experience and the most valuable research experience wasn't even at Cleveland State. It was at University of Kentucky. Oh, um, okay. I was applying to a bunch of schools um, that had summer research programs, and they were bringing in students to their pharmaceutical science division. I worked with a grad student for the summer, and he taught me 
<laughs> pretty much because I didn't know how to pay pet when I showed up there. What summer was this? Summer of 2019. So it was after... Junior to senior year. Yes. Okay. So it was in between. Okay. He taught me how to pipette. He taught me sterile technique. He taught me how to grow bacteria. Dang. To give you just a broad overview of what that lab did. They were interested in a certain class of antibiotics, and they wanted to exploit the pathway within bacteria used to synthesize the antibiotics and mm. feed it different substrates to get various analogs. Oh, okay. So That's pretty I, cool. It was cool. I, I was basically characterizing one of the enzymes. Okay. So that was kind of my quick summer research. I spent a lot of time basically learning techniques and not so much doing the research itself, mm-hmm. but it was a very valuable experience. He was a great mentor, the grad student I worked with, very patient, knew a lot, and was very good at teaching. So That's kind of like the hands-on mentor that you need at that stage, too. At that age, no one is really capable of flying their own plane, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you need to soon, right? Especially if you're going to do something like grad school or independent tech or something. Oh, yeah. How did you end up there? You said you applied to a bunch of summer programs. How'd you find the lab? Could you just run me through that? I'm trying to remember. I think there was a certain website that was listing a bunch of summer research opportunities. I think it was NSF. And then I saw them. Actually, that's interesting. They might not have been on the NSF website. That might have been something specific in particular just to them. And I happened across it. Okay. So you came back senior year, ready to finish out. This is all before COVID. (laughs) Did you have any senior project-y research stuff going on as like a fourth-year chem student at CSU? So... It actually is where Dr. Eng comes in because the Cleveland State Honors Program has an association with Learner, and they basically will send students here to do their senior research. So I saw Dr. Eng on the list or on her, their website. And I love that she was doing precision medicine because I learned a lot about that at school, and I was like, okay, that's it. That's that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Also, the research in her lab was so varied and so interesting. And being someone who didn't know what I wanted to focus on research-wise and who wasn't sure even now if I wanted to do pharma was kind of like, oh, this is a great place to be because I can experience a lot of different research projects at once. And then actually one other thing I will say too, I looked up videos of her giving interviews. And the reason though was because it's important that you know your PI can communicate well. Agreed. So I immediately was just like, okay, she's a strong communicator. She really knows what she's talking about, and she leads a lot of people. I think that this would be beneficial. So reached out to her through the program and did my senior research with her. Mm-hmm. Felt that was cut short by COVID. Sure. Do you remember like your first day in the lab? I want to say my first day was it was sometime in the end of January. Okay. Yeah. Because your first day had to be before I interviewed, and I interviewed in like January, Correct. I think. Yeah. So that's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I remember your interview. Oh, man. <laughs> that was the scariest talk of my life. My talk was terrifying. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Sure. Okay. Talk about it. Well, the thing was, firstly, she likes to ask us to give a little presentation of our research, right? Sure. So I talked about the research I did over mm-hmm. the summer, which was not a lot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like I said to you. You really need to like stretch out your three experiments as a junior in college. I mean, it was hard, too, because I'd been removed from it for, like, over a year. Yep. And so bringing that to the table was like, whoa, let me revisit that a little bit. Yeah. Also, usually when people interview here, they talk for, like, an hour. Yeah. I talk for 20 minutes. That's fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's which fine. Was, which was fine. It's, there, you can't expect that much out of a pre-grad no. person anyway. I don't no. know. Yeah. But, I mean, it was just... I met a lot of people mm-hmm. at one time. The lab was quite big, and they all sat in the conference room together and listened to me. <laughs> and I had I, it was it was just really frustrating and scary, uh, <laughs> but it was okay. One thing I'll say too, though, one thing Doctoring likes to do is have individual group interviews. Yeah, 
And one thing I really valued about this lab and that drew me to it actually was that from the get-go, people were trying to help me figure out my next step. And they were trying to give me advice. They genuinely seemed to care. They were invested in the conversation. They really talked about what drew them to science, what they were passionate about. They also answered all of my very naive questions. Like I asked them, well, what do you do when you're stuck? You know, and stuff like that, because I just didn't know. And they very kindly answered. That's that. That's the interview for you. Okay. So you gave your talk in Dr. Ng's lab. Then you met with her individually, I'm assuming. How did that conversation go? Do you remember it? It was pretty short. I just kind of told her what I was interested in and why I'd want to be in the lab. And she's like, okay. So you jump into Dr. Ng's lab senior year. How does that look logistically? Like you were driving back and forth to CSU and then coming here. Like you were, how many classes were you taking outside of the research? It's a good question. So Cleveland State, it's assumed that you're not going to be on campus, if at all. Oh, They actually okay. pretty much send you off and say, you're going to be there at the clinic for this entire semester, pretty much. No way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you just basically started your job like a semester early. Essentially, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool then. Mm-hmm. So you started with Bugs. You worked with the previous members of the Bugs team Yes. on that project mm-hmm. during the spring semester of 2020, mm-hmm. which by March was probably virtual. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did. I would say, though, it was really more at, in the beginning of me just learning about that project. I hadn't really started doing a lot of things. Interestingly enough, there was another, I want to say he was a graduate student who was rotating in Dr. Eng's lab, who started an experiment, and then he, he left that rotation. And they just kind of said, hey, did you want to pick this up? And it was different from microbiome. But I was like, sure, why not? So I learned how to do that. And then I actually ended up in structure because that was a structure associated project. So Well, that's pretty cool. I yeah. never knew that backstory. That's kind of funny. Before we move on to that full transition into getting hired, mm-hmm. you had a pretty full college experience with science underpinning everything. What were the biggest takeaways that you had as somebody who had just gone through a full undergraduate education in science? I, I felt pretty confident that I had chosen the right major for myself by the time I was done, just because I never stopped loving the material. And I would say academically, something I've just learned and something that I keep with me and encourage other people is that anything can be learned. Like you can do it. Like I always thought to myself as a freshman, how the heck am I going to learn biochemistry? That sounds impossible. And yet, you know, you learn it and everyone does. But I would say anything can be learned. I guess one thing I should say that I wish I did was I wish I had gotten more research experiences, not even academia, but like an industry, especially since pharma was something I was interested in at the time. Other takeaways, I was thinking about your story. I wish I'd had more mentorship because I didn't really have that. I mean, I probably could have tried harder to seek it out. It's hard at a big institution, though. It is. That was one of the reasons why I thought I needed more coddling with undergrad, which is why I went to a small place. Yes. And it's hard to recognize you have to do that. Yes, exactly. I mean, my thought process was, okay, I'm on track for my degree. I'm doing my part and that's it. And I don't know. I, I just didn't think to reach out that much. I had advisors and things like that, but I just kind of shied away from the, the thought of mentorship, but I wish I had done more of that. It's okay, though. I mean, it's just that it's it's really hard unless the people kind of fall into your life, I yeah. feel like. Because even with my situation, it's just because the people were there. Yeah. I wouldn't beat yourself up too much on that. Mm-hmm. But another question I had for you is, so you do all this stuff for Chem, 
you're pretty good at it. You enjoy it. You find yourself in this big time lab at Cleveland Clinic. When did you consider or not consider a master's, a PhD? You said you didn't want to go MD route because you couldn't deal with people who are sick. Totally fine. What persuaded you to go down the pathway that you did go down of becoming a tech at first? Were you just trying to delay the decision? What was your thought process there? Yeah, my research experiences had been so short and varied. And a lot of the time I'd spent doing research was me just learning how to do basic things to the point where I was like, I don't really know if this is still something I'd actually want to do for the rest of my life because loving learning about it is different from doing it in practice, right? Definitely. So for me, I was like, well, I've loved the learning process, but I really need more experience and I want to see if I actually want to commit to a PhD. So uh, that's why I became a technician. And it was nice because we have lots of grad students that are around and I can ask them questions. I could also see what their life is like on a day to day yeah, and what like is required of them. And just kind of experiencing also the culture of life in a lab mm-hmm. more so. So I think that was what drew me to choose the technician path. Okay. How did you personally realize that you could delay the decision and it wasn't going to be deleterious to your life plan? Because I feel like there's a lot of pressure for somebody to graduate from undergrad and immediately they're going to do a PhD or whatever postgraduate schooling you're going to do. Like immediately jump into it. Like senior year, you're applying to 37 different grad schools and like trying to continue your education right away. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that in a little while, but there was a lot of pressure. When I was at University of Kentucky, I was told by the grad students, you should really apply as soon as you graduate from school. Yeah. You should really get into it straight away. And I was originally thinking about doing that just because they said it. And then I realized that was not the right thing to do if I wasn't sure. And I'd rather be sure Mm -hmm. before I commit myself to five plus years in a lab doing something that I might hate. Mm -hmm. And you give so much of your life to it. It's not just, oh, I'm here 40 hours a week. For me, it just came down to the fact I'm not going to do something that I don't feel strongly is right for me just this moment, even if it means that I'm put at a disadvantage. I don't think it's a disadvantage, but I could see, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why. The wisdom. (laughs) The young wisdom, Anne. (laughs) (laughs) So you pick research tech because you want to continue to figure out whether or not you like what you're doing and you like research as a career. Mm -hmm. And you pick a lab in which the techs basically get to function like grad students. So good choice. That was why I I ended up here too. Mm -hmm. What was your hiring process like? One day you were just like, I need to work for you for a year to figure things out or two years to figure things out. How'd that conversation go? I'm trying to remember if it was an in-person conversation or it was via email. But I remember just saying, how would you feel about me working as a tech for you? And mm-hmm. she's like, of course, sure. But I was just relieved that I'd found a job, you know, yeah, right out of, of undergrad. Course, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. Walking out of undergrad with a job in the place that you want to be is very nice. And I think I was transparent with her in my interview as well originally when I was there as a student just saying, I'm still figuring out what I really want to do long term. I'm trying to decide if grad school is right for me. And she told me, I remember, well, this is a great place to soul search. Definitely do that here. And she also knew that I was leaning to a grad school. So she, when I started, she mm-hmm. told the people I worked with, treat her like a grad student yeah. because that's what she's thinking about doing. Yeah. But that was, I guess, kind of how I presented that to her. What shines through with that is that you were transparent with her about your intentions, mm-hmm. which is really important to be with your employer, Yes, <laughs> uh, which yes. is really good. And I think that's probably why you ended up in the successful position you did now. So when you started back in July, I was already here and there were a lot of new faces in the lab and it probably gave you some time to reflect on like what you wanted to do in the next couple of years when you were trying to figure things out. So did you have any particular personal growth goals, questions you specifically needed answered in order to make the decision of whether or not you wanted to go to grad school? That was a really critical time because for the first, well, I wouldn't say for the very first time, but 
I was starting a project myself and it gave me a feel for the individual's responsibility that you have, how you have to think about problems. I would say my goal initially when I came in in general was like, I just want to contribute something valuable to this field, even if I don't come away being like, oh, I'm going to be a graduate student or I'm going to do whatever. I just really want to contribute something valuable. And I guess that was my initial goal. And so I just strived to learn as much as I could, to be as thorough as I could, to understand the why behind everything. So I knew how to do things better the next time or to troubleshoot. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other thing, too, was just trying to take note of any opportunities that there were to explore other paths that Mm -hmm. were available to me. Cleveland Clinic's pretty big, so there's a lot of different opportunities to learn about various things. And really, so, I didn't realize it was a big place. <laughs> <laughs> Just for everybody to know. It's pretty big, yeah. uh, but there's like a lot of opportunities to learn. And so I guess yeah. I really took that time. I wouldn't say that I really knew at that time, the first month or two, if that was really still for me because I was getting into it. Sure. But my goal was like, okay, I'm going to do the best I can. And learn. And then I'm also going to explore what else is out there as much as possible. Yeah. So, so you're working at the bench. Mm-hmm. You work on protein structure in this lab. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, given that, like, what do you think are some of the valuable skills so far that you've learned bench-wise or, like, project development-wise since you've now been in the lab for, like, two years? I would say... Don't underestimate the value of trial and error. (laughs) That will be most of your science career, but it's super valuable to try and fail. I would say to leave room for that so that, you know, if you mess up the first time, it's easier for you to try to do it again because you have more material or whatever. You thought about it. Um, Other things I've learned from being at the bench. Um, There's so many things I've learned, but it's funny because they're just a part of my everyday. No, I know what you mean. Write everything down. (laughs) That's another thing I would really recommend. (laughs) Do you like the bench? I would say... Yes. I'd say I love the bench while I'm perfecting a technique. Like if I've learned it, I'm getting better at it and I see that kind of progress. I love it. Mm -hmm. But if you've gotten it down and you're doing it again and again and again, as structure often does, (laughs) then you get to a point where you're like, another one. You know what I mean? It's just, and that's true for a lot of things in science. You're just repeating things again and again and again. So you kind of like it when you're doing something new, but maybe not with the mundane. Yeah, if it gets to the point where I've done it so many times that it's not like I'm actively learning something either as I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like there are techniques like that where you learn a lot as you go. But if it's just like, okay, I, I, I yeah. <laughs> we're just doing it again, yeah. I'd say it gets a little boring. What about the process of developing an experiment? I think experimental design is a lot of fun. I would say troubleshooting can be okay to a point. There have been moments where I've just been banging my head against a wall. Yeah. I'll be trying something for like a year and it has not worked. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I would say about that. I I like design. I like troubleshooting to a point. Because I would say too, that's really where you engage your brain a lot more as well. Okay, so you like the bench and you like experimental design. What other experiences do you think that you are really happy to see since you've been here? Because I know that you've done some clinical stuff. Yeah, so I did do a clinical research project uh, or was assisting with that. It was basically an extension of a project we already have going. Mm -hmm. But it allowed me to interface with patients, which was really cool, over the phone, not in person. Um, And it also gave me a taste of the consenting process, of all the documentation that goes into this sort of thing. That was really good. I would say it appealed to my detail-oriented side. Yeah. 
I really did keep that spreadsheet. You know, <laughs> I was I was in that spreadsheet every day and I was like, it's going to be beautiful. Everything's <laughs> going to be in place. But it gave me an appreciation for everything that clinical research coordinators do. And there's so many skills involved, a lot of soft skills, a lot of administrative work, and they interface with so many different types of people. So that was a very unique opportunity that I'm very grateful for. Uh, some other things that I have done while I'm here, I do help edit a lot of the manuscripts and things that other people in the lab write, specifically in my group. That's mm-hmm. been a great experience as well. Yeah. It gives you a feel for what a good paper looks like and how you get your point across. And, and that's another different thing that I have learned how to do. And mm-hmm. I will say, too, as a tech, I don't just have my own project, but I also assist someone else with theirs. Yep. So I do get to learn a little bit more about a different aspect of P10. So you've had a lot of experiences so far, and now you're two years in, right? Mm. What do you think your biggest takeaways from this job have been? Well, something that transcends the science itself is just the culture of this place. Because people work hard, Mm. and they're very intelligent, but they're very humble. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I'll take with me wherever I go, and that's something that's really rubbed off on me. I mean, it's something I wanted to emulate from the very beginning, but it's just great to see it every day and be a part of that. Also, people love the science so much here. I think because the Eng Lab is just such a right place for good science and there's such good people here, it's like if you've spent all this time being here, then that's like a good indicator to you if you're supposed to be doing something other than the bench. Yeah, sure. Because everything is in place here for you to love it. Yeah. We have good people. You're really right about that. You know, so I would say my takeaway is, and even to people who are looking to see if it's for them, I would say find yourself a lab where they've got good people strong leadership and if after that you still found that you don't like the bench and you don't like design that means it's probably not for you (laughs) you know because sometimes you don't like it because you don't like the people or whatever but i think that was key having all those factors in play and i could really say to myself whether or not that's something i wanted to continue pursuing grad school wise or not yeah i think that one aspect that you hit on in terms of the humility of the science that goes on in this lab is that like not a lot of labs are like that inherently yeah so uh i think that we've been pretty lucky in that regard especially that we are in an environment that is more constructive than it is necessarily just about output Mm -hmm. so i think that's a qualification that's (laughs) people need to be aware of yeah at least in their own pursuit of joining a place Mm -hmm. because i think if you're just in an output lab then you're really not going to end up with that good of an experience and i know people that have gone through that pretty recently Cool. Well, I mean, obviously, the big question is then, are you applying to grad school? If I'm applying to grad school, it's not going to be a PhD program. And I've already talked about this with Dr. Ang and other people. So they know that that's not my bend. I am very open to a master's program. I mean, this is also kind of why we did the podcast is because I'm really interested in science communication, Mm -hmm. kind of going back to the fact that I love learning about science and I love teaching people about it. But that was something I never really considered for myself because I didn't like the idea of teaching high schoolers or teaching in a traditional way. But the more I learned about science communication, the more that appeals to me. And if you can be that person who interfaces between scientists and lay people, I think that's a really cool spot to be in. For sure. So I would say if I go to grad school, it's probably going to be for a master's in maybe writing, like science writing. Yeah. Based on your experiences and what I've seen, what you're passionate about, it makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. I think you're going to do good at it too. Ah, so. And I think the thing that's going to benefit you a lot there is that you have such like a strong foundational science background. Like you can do all the stuff from the bench side that's going to make you be able to understand things that you're reading and eventually editing. So that's pretty cool. 
I'm grateful to have this experience. It's really, I think, going to be beneficial to me later if I do go on to do that, which I think probably will. Yeah. So now I want to move the conversation into some more philosophical-esque questions or that kind of thing. So is there anything else that you wish you would have specifically done earlier in your educational process or your science trajectory? Yeah. One thing I, I did mention this a little bit too is that I wish I had gotten experience in industry as well as academia. There were opportunities for that, and I think I just didn't hop on them fast enough. You can always do that now. Yeah, you can. But that was something I wish I had done, and that's something I would encourage people to do too, is to try that out, because that's a very different feel. Everyone I've talked to who's worked in industry says it's very different from this. Makes sense. But that's something I wish I had done. I think more research experience would have been good from the get-go. I wish I could have built even more skills earlier. It's hard to ask for, though. I mean, you're just an undergrad. Yeah. That's the issue here is that, you know, you can critique yourself a lot, but at that age, it's just hard to accumulate all that stuff. Like, you're just young. Do you have any recommendations for undergrads at big institutions about finding somebody? To work with? Yes. Yeah. Talk to senior students. Okay. Talk to, like, students who are ahead of you. Because this yeah. one girl I talked to, she was in my program, very motivated. Mm-hmm. And she had known all the faculty already. The nice thing, too, is being in the program I was in, everybody was pretty much a high achiever. Sure. So they were going out and trying to make the most of themselves and they knew somebody if you didn't Mm -hmm. so i would say that's definitely a thing to do i kind of blindly (laughs) when i did some like research with one of the professors i just blindly looked and saw what interested me and emailed her but i really think it's best to talk to other students because they can give you an objective perspective on the value of that experience for them don't do extra legwork if you don't have to yeah another reflective question for you how passionate do you feel about using your current training in your future career. For instance, I did something different for my college thesis than I did here. And I've been done like two different projects in the Ang Lab, right? And I don't know if I feel married to any of them. Do you feel really married to structural biology or protein chemistry in particular or like drug development or anything like that still if you were going to stay either at the bench or like adjacent to the bench? Or do you think you're still kind of looking around? That's a good question. Well, I think, too, with science communication, the thing I've learned more and more from people is you will learn everything and anything that's out there right now. That's and fair. that appeals to me a lot. I had a conversation with somebody who works in that field, and she said, I just really love big picture. And I was too much mm. in the small things working at the bench. And that's what I kind of feel about it, too, is that I like to see, again, with connections. It's so much easier if you take it a few steps back. This is how everything kind of comes together. I am not married to... I don't know any of the things that I've done before. I think it's cool and I'm glad I had that background. It's also the closest thing kind of to chem because biochem is closest you come. But I'm open to other things and I want to learn more. So what are you looking to get out of a career in science? So I would say there's a couple different things. And it kind of reflects on what I learned already. One is I want to be a stronger communicator. And I think that my experience here and going into science writing would definitely do that because that you know transcends whatever field you're in. But then the other thing, too, is I like for other people, I like to see them get it. Yeah. I know. And, I, and I'm not just talking about like scientists, but like lay people. I like uh-huh. to, see, to get it and see the value of something. And so for me, I think that that's two things I really want out of my career is to be a stronger communicator and to see people really understand it and get it and to be a part of that process. People I always think about are the undergrads that I went to school with, not necessarily saying that I'm going to cater to them, but for them, it was critical. They understood what they were learning. And for me to see them understand it and then take that and succeed further, 
Mm-hmm. Like if you can help even other scientists better understand something that's outside of their realm yeah. and make it smaller so that they can expand their reach. And I think that's really cool and that's really impactful. If I can take scientific literature, understand it and give that to other people in a way that they can digest and take in in a shorter period of time, that's already helping a lot of people because it's like, oh, they didn't have to. I think it's really impactful for like the world, right? I mean, we see right now, given the current circumstances, Mm -hmm. the media cites science Mm -hmm. out of the blue, totally randomly sometimes. And it's really hard for the average person to understand what's going on. So, I mean, having a reliable, moral, humble communicator that can interface between the direct publication and someone on the street who doesn't have the time or the background to digest is really important. I think so. And I just think about how literature is so foreign to lay people. If you can break down the barrier between that for other people more so, so that just in general society, it's just more accessible for them. I think that that's a great thing to do. So part of the steps we're doing here. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully. Okay. So those are all the questions that I had, but is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in this conversation that you might not have been able to talk about before we wrap up here? I'm just really grateful for all the experiences that I've had that I'm here. And so that's, I think that's it. Well, thank you for telling me your full story. I'm glad that I finally heard everything in detail in one sitting. I think that's something that's really funny because we've worked together for two years now and it's hard for us to like have enough time to give out the whole motivation, right? Yeah. These kind of conversations are fun for me and hopefully it can provide everybody a little more background on who we are as individuals too. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Anne. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Science Behind Science podcast. We look forward to catching you next time.